Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Now, at this stage, I think it's fairly normal to talk about therapy and counselling. You wouldn't judge somebody, for example, for saying they had a counsellor, would you? We've come a long way when it comes to normalising, taking care of our mental health. But couples counselling, eh, that's a little bit different. If your friend said him and his missus were seeing a therapist, you might think, oh, marriage is in trouble, maybe. And that may not be fair. Maybe it's just good maintenance for the marriage. But what if your mate told you him and his missus were going to a sex therapist? Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say we might be a bit shy to talk about stuff like that yet here in Ireland. And I remember I gave an example many, many years ago. We decided on a radio station about 20 years ago to do a sex show on a Friday night where people would call in with their problems and we'd get a sexologist on to answer their problems. We thought, what a wonderful idea. Ireland is coming out. The show lasted two weeks <laughs> because nobody came on the air. In those days, we didn't have texts and WhatsApps, so we couldn't take in anonymous questions. But nobody came on the air. Irish people have a hang-up about talking about sex. We're not very open about it. Well, tonight, I'm going to be joined by sex therapist Emily Power-Smith. She's a master's degree in sexology and also postgraduate diploma in art uh, psychotherapy. Her mission is to make it safe and normal for all people to talk about sexuality and sex. And she joins me tonight to shed some light on why we might need a clinical sexologist or... And hopefully, uh, what we can do is improve your time in the bedroom by talking to her. Emily, good evening to you. Hello, Niall. You don't remember me. I've been on your show before. I've been in your studio before, in fact. You have? Talking about sex. Emily, you know <laughs> what? I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you have put me on the spot. Emily, I'm No, s- listen. Don't so, worry, so you've guests on every night, so I don't expect you to remember me, but I remember you. Yeah, you know, I see but when you're when you're kind of doing this every night and you've guests on every night and callers on yeah. every night, you don't remember everybody and I, I feel like I'm insulting you now by saying I don't remember you. But I do No you're not. No you're not. I don't mind at all. You're grand. I'm tougher than it takes more than that. As a sexo- sexologist in Ireland, it takes more than that to upset me. But I but like, I'm delighted to talk to you again, so we'll use the word again this time. So I'm delighted to talk to you again. And I, I can't remember the last time then that we would have spoken. It must have been many years ago, was it? It was probably six or seven years ago, I'd say. Yeah, so it is quite a long time ago. Yeah. So do you think in that six or seven years, we've, we've moved on a bit when it comes to talking about sex? Are we becoming more open or are we still hanging on to those Catholic handcuffs? I think it's a very uh, mixed bag, really. I think I was listening to what you were saying there and I was chuckling to myself because in 2012, um, I ended up on the Ryan Tuberty show and... It was the same thing. I was a sexologist for two years and nobody would speak online on, on the on the show because everyone knows everyone in Ireland. I think that's the main thing. We're all, you know, your auntie's listening. Somebody knows somebody who knows and, and your your stuff will be talked about. It's different in bigger population countries. We just we just still are very worried about that. So I think that's slightly different to, to shame or you know, repression, it's a worry that Auntie Mary's going to be going to hear about you, mm. which is different because nobody, whether you're, you've shame or not, really wants their auntie to hear about their sex. No, no. Oh, but there's something embarrassing here. Like, you know, it could be anyone. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like but, we, we never imagine our parents having sex. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's that kind of thing, isn't it? That same way you don't imagine your kids having sex. When I say your kids, you're over 18s. So you, you don't think about, you don't want to think about those things. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? 
I guess that's that's another thing again. And yeah, I guess it is. But I think people, Irish people and any person doesn't really want relatives to, to know about their or even their good friends necessarily to know about their sex life. And that might be due to shame because we still some people I mean, I see a, a skewed cohort. I see people who are needing a bit of help. So the people who don't need help, I don't meet them. So I just need to put that out there. So mm. the people I meet would it be a mixture. There would certainly be, I would still run into a lot of shame and a lot of it is Catholic based if they are Irish reared or Catholic reared in whatever country, but they may not even be practicing Catholicism themselves, but it runs in the blood. It, we, we, we kind of, because there's no good education, we've nothing, we haven't really replaced it with a lot that's useful. So I think that can still stop people wanting to talk about about sex in a useful way. I think we've all got better at being bawdy and having a laugh and there's so much sexualization of everything that I think we we you know we can do that pretty well. I, I think things but like that talking you know, about anything mm, real is yeah. still very vulnerable. Movies like 50 Shades of Grey did a little bit for us. That helped to open up the conversation particularly for women. Um, although it was a terrible movie and a terrible book, and I just pointed out, it looked like it was written by a child. But however, and do you know what? Do you know I'm someone who really doesn't understand BDSM, ethical BDSM. I mean, it was highly unethical, and so the thing. Do you know what happened though? You probably don't remember this, but the the week the movie came out was around the time that oh no, what's his name who was put in prison for killing Lisa. Elaine, Elaine, oh my God, the guy who, was, who said he was her, her, oh, forgive me, he said he Gray, was oh, her. Oh, Graham uh, Dwyer, this father. is Graham Dwyer. Yeah. Yes, that's right. It came right. out at the same time. And, Elaine and O'Hara people, was her name, I think. Yeah. That was, and Irish people got very, very confused about what BDSM and, and power mm. play was. And it took a lot of the joy out of that movie because he was... He is not. He, I mean, he's a co- totally different kettle of fish, but mm. he claimed to be in that in that uh, community. Well, I, I want to clarify and, that everything that we're going to talk about tonight, obviously, is consensual and everything must be consensual. No matter what you're into, what your kink is, your fetish is or whatever it is you're into, it, it has to be always consensual. So if one person so is not happy about it, yeah. well, then it's not happening. That's the end of it. But do, do you get so awkward important. situations when, when couples come into you? where they're kind of sitting there on the sofa. I don't know if that's... The, I have this kind of vision in my head of you sitting with the pen and the folder and them sitting on a sofa <laughs> in front of you. And they're kind of going, okay, who starts this conversation? And am I allowed to say the word penis or vagina? Or are those words... You know, what words do we use? Do we use slang words? Oh. Do we use biological words? <laughs> I mean, is it awkward? Mm. Um, well, I, I really do my best to try and ease that. So, you know, we're Irish. I, I work with all sorts of people who aren't just Irish anymore. It's lovely that we're such a, a mix a mix of people now that, that so you can't even just say the Irish have a great sense of humour and we can do it that way. But humour plays a part in it just to relax things. And I would always use the clinical terminology, but I certainly am not going to tell somebody not to use their own words for mm. for for genitals or for sexual acts. I'm I'm it's not about Getting language. everybody to have yeah. the same language as me, but I'll use the correct language just so that people know exactly what we're talking about. Because some of those slang words we use aren't specific enough when you're trying to, for example, teach skills. Yeah, you, and, and we are, know, and we are sexual beings, human beings. But we, 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 we and we need to remember that and and look at that. I mean, when we have situations totally where people natural, are married twenty yeah. years and all of a sudden there's no sex in the relationship, that's going to be a problem, isn't it? 
If you know, in most here's cases. The thing. So, so I'm 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 sex positive, which is really important, and and there's uh, there are certain things that that go with sex positivity, and and one of the things is if you're not into having sex twenty years into your marriage, and you're both okay with that, that's fine. Then that's okay. You know, if one of you would like to have a sexual relationship and the other wouldn't, that's often a really good time to think about a bit of therapy to really get down to why that is. And there are so many reasons why couples lose their their sex life um, in long term relationships. And it isn't necessarily just because they lose their mojo. It could be that they they have sexual pain or they're worried about their performance and and judging themselves so harshly that they can't put themselves in vulnerable situations or it could be that you know their functionality they need to learn new ways to be with each other and that means conversations and it means education Mm. and we're usually lacking in both of those and i suppose body consciousness is a big thing as well you know as we get older our bodies changed you know and and of course our partners still find us attractive obviously uh, but maybe we lose (laughs) we we, we lose confidence in our bodies so that that can be a problem what do you mind me asking what age you are I'm 59. I'm 52. And I don't know about that now. I, I, no, I, I'm still, I, I, no, but I, I can just point out, I'm very happy with my body. I'm very happy with my body. And I used to be a lot less happy with my body when I was younger because I didn't realise, I, I, you know, I put too much emphasis on it. The older I get, the less I care. And I hear that quite a lot from women. Um, I don't, I think it's, you know, we're being, everybody tries to tell us that we should care more, but I don't know that we do as we get older. Women are hard on themselves. Women, women are much harder on themselves than men, generally speaking, when it comes to, Generally and historically speaking, you're spot on, but I, unfortunately, I think it's catching and I think men are becoming a little bit more worried about their bodies as well. Not all men and Mm. not all women, but I think it is, it is. You know, there's a, it's marketing, isn't it? It sells. Uh, so mm. inadequacy sells. So they're certainly trying yeah. to sell that to men. And before I come to our questions that people are sending in, in their droves, thankfully this wouldn't happen 20 years ago, but in their droves, I have <laughs> at least 20 or 30 the, uh, good questions that are going right. to come to in a second. But uh, there is other things, of course, that you would look at. And there's medical reasons. Uh, and you mentioned briefly some of that. I mean, for example, with women, you can have the menopause, which means lower testosterone levels. With men, as they get older, lower testosterone levels. They can be checked by a doctor. So there are medical reasons for drops in libido too. There are medical reasons. And uh, menopause, is, it's more low estrogen for women, um, sometimes low testosterone as well. But we need a lot less testosterone uh, to to have mojo, but definitely it is it is a great thing to add to your HRT if if your estrogen and progesterone if you have a womb aren't aren't getting you where you'd like to be sexually, um, energy wise and memory wise, then a little bit of testosterone can really top that up and help. We need a tiny amount compared to what men need for for their hormone replacement because of course men can have testosterone absolutely yeah, they call it the andropause i believe yeah so uh, when men get to about that's, 30 that's, the testosterone level starts to reduce yeah even even younger but not noticeably till then and and the healthier you are the less noticeable it might be um the other thing though we've really got to and i i like to educate myself on a lot is the the effect of medication because so many of us are on medication these days and a lot of that medication has got has got side effects that affect uh, performance yeah. and libido. And then the other thing Antidepressants is, would be the main one, I suppose, that would affect libido, wouldn't they? That would drop your libido, I imagine. 
They can do. They can do their um, antipsychotics and um, some anxiety medication, which a lot of people can be on as well. And a lot of people, it's changing because we're talking about menopause a lot now, but a lot of women who go to their doctor feeling a bit low, feeling a bit anxious, feeling a bit out of sorts, are uh, historically have been thrown antidepressants which then lowers their libido as well. And it isn't depression, it's menopause, and they're, very, they're different and they need different treatment. So we're, we're learning more. It's, we're a bit behind on women's research, but we're getting, we're getting a bit better with it and learning a bit more. Um, so certainly ageing, medication, surgeries, and uh, are, are, are all things that we have to take into account, and environmental okay. issues as well. Let's get to these questions because there's so many of them. I want to try and get to as many as I can. Okay. Uh, somebody says, hi, mm. I've got a question. I've had a, a, a vaginalable hysterectomy, whatever that is. I'm, I'm not a doctor, so maybe you have a better idea. Can you, can you say that again? Uh, she says, a, a vaginalable hysterectomy. Okay, so okay. Let's, let's say a hysterectomy anyway, I think. Anyway, in March, and ever since then, every time myself and my partner have tried to have sexual intercourse, it's not the same as before. Uh, my operation, and I don't enjoy it anymore. Will this change? So I suppose, mm. generally speaking, when people have a, when women have a hysterectomy, obviously, I, I, I'm, I don't know the biology of it, maybe you know better than I do, with, does the sex change? Well, there are different kinds of hysterectomies, and I'm not sure of that word you're saying that's, to explain that's, yeah. the first part of it. I'm not sure of that word. There are different kinds. And so some hysterectomies um, take the cervix as well, and some hysterectomies shorten the length of vag- the vaginal canal. Not all do. with different kinds that, t- that needed for different things. So it would depend on what kind she had. And there are reasons. So with a hysterectomy, you might have your womb removed. Or if it's a radical hysterectomy, you might also have your ovaries taken. If you've had your ovaries taken, you're not going to be producing estrogen and your sex hormones. So you would need to get some treatment for that, some HRT, to make sure that your vagina is comfortable. She just says she doesn't enjoy it. So I don't know what's wrong with what, you know, what she's experiencing. It, if her vaginal canal has been shortened uh, and his penis hasn't, then it can be a it can be a fit. So um, there's yeah. nothing more painful than getting your cervix or the end of your vaginal canal pummeled. Um, so you know we never talk about the length of vaginal canals. We only ever talk about penis length. But that differs from woman to woman as well. And depending on the surgery she's had, that could have been the issue. She's very welcome to email me with more details, and I can maybe give her a little more information. I'd need more information before I could be much help to her. Okay. Uh, okay, this is an odd one. Niall, can you ask the sexologist about farting during sex? Uh, why do some girls fart during sex? A girl I was with before <laughs> kept farting during sex and it was extremely off-putting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've experienced that. Yeah, well, you know, there, there's all sorts of sphincter muscles <laughs> contracting and re- re- relaxing. You need to get it over really it. Depends, <laughs> it re- no, I, 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 if somebody personally, I wouldn't be into that. Um, that would be a deal breaker for me. <laughs> but, you know, each to their own. I, I, I know I, I knew a couple who used to enjoy farting in each other's faces. They thought that was hilarious. Oh, until one no. Day, no. Until one day, one of them, a little bit more came out than just air. Oh, stop. And that ended on his and landed on his forehead like a little rabbit dropping and he broke up with her that was that that was a that's a good deal break. i can see why that's not, a deal breaker yeah not clients of mine but um so i would say that it you know look you've got to be a bit aware don't you what have you eaten what have you drunk 
what makes you, you know, I would, you know, you've got to be a little bit careful and a little bit mindful of what you're. Well, unless, your, unless your they're referring, to. unless they're referring to vaginal farting, which is slightly different. It's to do with obviously the the way they're having sex. Air, air getting trapped. Yeah. From from thrusting usually. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's a very, you know, that's a different thing for sure. Fanny farts as they're more <laughs> Well, you used that. I was going to use that term, but I was trying to be more. I was trying to be more professional. I'll forget about the professionality going forward. Okay, somebody says, like you, Niall. "Yeah, hello, Niall. I'm anonymous with a question, and I think they're in hope that they're anonymous." Yeah, oh, Mary in Limerick, you are anonymous. No, I'm joking. Uh, you, I know I'm anonymous with a question for the sexologist. Please explain how to use a cock ring as my partner would uh, like to stay erect for longer. Thank you. Now, do they work? Hmm. They can work. They work differently for different people. But yes, you need to get one that's a snug fit. It needs to be a good fit. You don't Ties, want to be, like, <laughs> you, you don't be cutting off the circulation not either. Not perfect cutting up. So exactly. So there are different sizes and you do need to get one that's the right size. You can get gorgeous ones, really expensive ones that are body safe silicone that might have a little vibrator in them. Um, so they are they can be really nice for the female partner if you use them in a certain way where the vibrator, if she's on top, for example, she can get some stimulation from the cock ring um, and that can be a nice thing. It, the vibration can also help with the erection to keep it going a bit longer. It's really about getting the right fit. So before you invest in an expensive one, I would get some cheap ones and try it out for size. Get the right, get the right size, or measure the measure the girth of the erection and then gauge it that way. Most and and the difference it would make, say, the difference it would make to the length of time an erection lasts. I mean, does it make? Does it last longer? Yeah, yeah. If you get the right fit, yeah. So for example, if you're doing. Uh, if you're if you're working with recovering erections, let's say after prostate surgery or something, you might be or you're getting older and you don't want to rely on pills all the time. You might be you might be recommended to try a penis pump, and that pumps blood into the penis with a with a, a suction vacuum uh, apparatus, and then you slip a a, a a cock ring onto your onto the base of your penis while you've to when you just it pumped there. it. Yeah. And that really does work. I mean, it really is going to give you uh, long enough to have penetrative sex. Yeah. Okay. Depending. I mean, it may not last you 40 minutes, but nobody actually really wants to have sex for 40 minutes as far do, as do I understand. Do they not? Um, okay. No. Okay. That's one of those porn myths. Is it? Oh, okay. I get I get young men contacting me saying, I really want to last longer. Can you help me? And I say, I find that, and they're like, yeah, I want to last 40 minutes. And do, I'm like, do you not, well, do you not think that, that kind of slow, do you, not, do you not, would you not imagine that for couples, you know, that particularly if they want to, you know, obviously make, you know, it good in the bedroom, that rather than the mm. quick five minute quickies, you know, the, the kind of 40 mm. minutes to one hour sessions can be so exciting and exhilarating. They're usually not penetrative sex, though, for 40 no, minutes. No, no, of course hour. not. No, There's of course not. all types of sex. So just to clarify, yeah, absolutely. And as we get older and as we're in longer relationships, women are going to need longer to get aroused, to get fully aroused, to get erections. We have our clitorises are made of the same erectile tissue as penises. Everything starts with a clitoris in the womb and then they either stay that way or they turn into penises. We have all the same parts to our genitals, to our sexual organ as men do. It's just that most of the clitoris is internal, so we can't see it. So we can't get a hand or a mouth around it. So it takes longer for us to get an erection. Mm. 
we are only ever given the male arousal cycle to compare ourselves to. It's like comparing apples and oranges. So a lot of women don't give themselves enough time because they think they should be ready and ready to go as quickly as their male partners if it's a heterosexual couple. And that is often the case in the early days and when we're younger. But as we get older or the relationship gets older, the sparkle isn't quite as sparkly and more skills and more time are needed. Okay, question for the sex therapist. I'm circumcised and find that I don't have a lot of stimulation when doing the deed. Also, with a condom, I can't feel a thing. Is this normal for circumcised people? Uh, I had it done at 18 and I'm now 34. How can I fix this? Mm, Mm. It can be the case because when you remove the, the protective foreskin that's there all the time, it's just as simple as the tip of your penis now is 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 uh, exposed. So it gets rubbed off things more. So it lo- can you can some men it becomes can lose desensitized. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That can happen. Um, I don't know of a solution for it. Unfortunately, um, I, I I'm afraid I have not heard or read of a solution for that. Ish, ish. Okay. It just happens to often be the way. Yeah, I, I, you know, by the way, we might, need to talk about that more at some point. Circumcision might, of men, unnecessary try, circumcision. Might be able to try other, other other types of stimulation to other parts of the penis, to the testicles, the perineum, which is a bit between the back of your testicles and your anus, or even anal play to up the sensations, up the pleasure. It won't be in the tip of your penis, mm-hmm. but you know. We really, there's a lot of overemphasis on men's penises as the only place they can feel sexual pleasure. And it's, it's very limiting. There's actually a lot of other ways that you can get very intense sensations that might help to, to help with that. To yeah, that. There, there does seem to be a sensation. huge focus on the penis and the vagina, doesn't there? I mean, whereas women, of course, you know, their breasts can be of great uh, pleasure to them with their nipples. Uh, and men, as you rightly pointed out, you know, the perineum or the anus can also be of great pleasure too. And their nipples and their arms and their legs and their, and their backs and women's, let's be really clear, the women's sexual organ is not her vagina, it's her clitoris. The mm. vagina is the birth canal. All right, okay, I've just learned something there now. I love watching, somebody says, I love watching porn where the girls look younger, not children, uh, absolutely 18 plus, but my wife thinks I'm a bit of a pervert. I can't help what I find attractive. Is there something wrong with me? Well, I, I, no, if they're legal, there is nothing wrong with you. And that's always a tricky one because how do we really know? If you watch ethical or feminist porn, you can really know for sure that they everything is above board and then you don't have that worry and your wife might find that more palatable. And you can find young looking people in ethical and feminist porn as well. Nothing wrong with you at all. There may be something though for your wife feeling like she's if she's comparing herself to the bodies that turn you on, you might need to just have a conversation with her that that's fantasy. That's like watching your favorite sports cars racing. It doesn't mean you don't love your Renault or, you know, it might mean that you love watching, I don't know, holiday programs. That's your fantasy, but you go to Wexford to your, to your caravan. Like you, you can absolutely love, they're not great. You can absolutely <laughs> love your wife and fancy her and still fantasize about other people. She might need a bit of reassurance around that. Yeah, some, some women, I, I worked with one woman not so long ago who believed that uh, men watching porn was cheating. I don't agree with this. Mm, well, mm. Some, people, some people feel it is and mm. some people feel it isn't. And cheating, you know, used to be, even when I was a kid, 
cheating was actually getting off with or having sex with another person in real life. There was no online. Now there's all these other ways that... Now, if you're going into chat rooms and you're going into, you know, private strippers or something like that, I could see where there might be a problem. But I think if you're just watching standard porn, I mean, couples, I'm sure, can enjoy that together as well if you, and get ideas well, here's, from it. Here's, there's, there's a few things about it. First of all, mainstream porn is made for young men's fantasies. Young men who are not experienced, don't actually know real women and don't know what they're, what they're looking at. They're, the, the porn that is portrayed in mainstream porn often does not, the sex rather, often doesn't appeal to women. It's not made for women. So there's that. So saying that couples can enjoy it together, absolutely. But you've got to make sure you're both into what you're watching. Again, ethical feminist porn is, was originally made for women because to, to, to cover this. And now more and more men who care about the people they're watching and their well-being are getting into it as well. It's really, really growing as an industry. However, you usually have to pay a little bit of money for it. Same as if you're using organic free-range food. Yeah. These are free-range organic actors, and you can you can yeah. know that everybody's in good shape. Above board, everything's um, above board. The other, yeah. The main reason people tend to to have a problem with porn or consider it cheating, not always, but quite often, it's when their sex life isn't great, and they feel that their partner is using porn rather than having sex with them. That's usually when it feels like cheating, and that does feel a bit different to just watching a bit of porn now and again. Okay, I've been faking my orgasms for my entire... Sorry, this is a message, not me. I've been faking my orgasms for my entire <laughs> marriage. I have been listening to a lot of podcasts about being more honest, and I want to tell my mm. husband so I can start enjoying sex. What should I do? Mm. Well, if he's not listening, I can tell you what to do. But if he's listening, it's going to be a spoiler, right? So what I say to women and well, I he's, well he's going to be insulted to first when she tells him she's faking that he is going to be that's going to hurt his feelings isn't it well I would never say that because for that very very reason it doesn't really if she's ready to be real and to learn how to really orgasm and to show him what she needs to orgasm then the past can be left in the past so if you're just going to tell him you're, you've always faked it and leave it at that, that's really hurtful and that's really damaging to the relationship. I wouldn't recommend it. But if you now know what you like and what gets you to orgasm, that's a really great time to tell your partner. And you don't tell them. You don't have to say... What, what about if, what about if it's something it? you enjoy or you want and you're afraid to say to your partner in case they think you're a weirdo? Yeah, well, I'll come to that in a sec. I just want to finish this one because oh, okay. this, is, this is the tip right, okay. I want to give to this, this woman. If she's ready to show him how to give her orgasms and she can do that now, that makes it a lot easier. And the way to do it is you say, bodies change, I changed, what I used to like doesn't work anymore, I've been practicing, I want to teach you what works for me now. And that's all you say. Okay, okay. And, and if, if you know what to say. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, and for either partner, if and if there's something, for example, that they want the other one to do, but they're kind of afraid to say it, mind you, that means they don't have very good communication, but they're afraid to say it because they might think the other partner thinks they're a weirdo. I mean, should mm -hmm. you ever be afraid? Yeah, I think it's okay to be careful. I think it's okay to be careful with that stuff. I mean, you could, you know, it, it, you, a way that you can check it out if you're worried um, I think people worry too much, but if you are worried and it isn't a conversation you're good at having or you're used to having, a, a, a gentle way into it is 
get a movie or talk about an article or a book or make something up about a conversation you overheard and say, this is what, you know, what do you think about that to your partner? What do you think? And, the, and see how they react. And that will give you an idea as to whether you should it mention. will help you to gauge yeah. whether it's going to be a conversation. You're not going to believe John down the road loves giving it to his missus up the ass. What do you think of that, honey? And she goes, there's something wrong with him. And then you know you know not to say it to him. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so my, my, uh, me and my boyfriend love talking dirty about threesomes. It's always going to, it's always going to him watching me and another man. Uh, I love it, but sometimes afterwards it makes me feel a bit weird. What does this fantasy mean? Okay, so the, the threesome is always goes on to him talking about, you know, watching her with another man, but not the other way around, if you know what I mean. You're listening to Nighttime Talk with Niall Boylan. With Recruit.ie. Download our job search app today. Search for Recruit.ie in your smartphone app store. Ireland's Classic Hits Radio. All right, sorry about that, Emily. We lost you there for a second, but we have you back again, I'm glad to say. Now that's all right. Where premature, w- premature evacuation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, can you really get your sex life back after? Oh, we never answered the one about the threesomes. Sorry, we, we need to come back to the one about the threesomes. So yeah, so they discuss a threesome, but every time it's discussing her being with another man, it's never the other way around, and she kind of feels it's a bit weird. So you didn't mention this to me before we got cut off. We were talking about a different thing. So is that the whole of it? Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, my, couple... my, Myself and my boyfriend love to talk dirty about threesomes. It always goes to him watching me and another man. I love it, but sometimes afterwards, it makes me feel a bit weird. What does this fantasy mean? So in, in other words, that, that the fantasy always seems to be about her with another man. That's what he keeps talking mm. about. He never talks about, you know, having another woman in the bedroom, you know. Mm. Well... She could introduce that if that turns her on. But if it turns her on, that's and, and it, no one's being hurt and it's a fantasy, then, then, you know, what is it that makes her feel weird, I wonder? So yeah. some people love the idea of watching their partner have sex with another person because they would like to see their, per- their lover, their partner more fully from every angle, from every, you know, and see them in action. That's really a turn on for a lot of people, not for everyone. Then there's another thing that some men, you know, like the, the whole thing of being a cuckold. That's a different thing again. That's that's where he would sit and be and, and be very much not a part of it. And and there's a little bit of a power play going on there where he would not be the person in power. Um, maybe this guy likes the idea of watching the guy as well. I don't know. But to me, when it's fantasy and you enjoy it and it's dirty talk, there's nothing to worry about. It doesn't have to mean a fantasy isn't a plan. By the way, threesomes in general, so can they end need to, can threesomes end up in disaster? Of course they can. Anything can end up in disaster. You can fall off the bed and break your leg. Anything <laughs> can end up in disaster. But um the, the I mean the key to, 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 to working out how to do threesomes, how to have op- how to open up your relationship in particular, or any sort of power play, anything that you're not used to doing, the key is talk it to death before you do anything. I've, I've seen it so often where a couple will go, oh yeah, okay, we're going to, you know, let's uh, go to the beach and, or I don't know, let's have, let's, I'd love to have sex outside. And the other person goes, oh yeah, that sounds really hot. And then next thing, one of them tries to have sex outside and their idea of sex outside, which might've been pulling into a lay-by 
and climbing on top of each other is very different to the others, which was finding a deserted beach when they're in the Caribbean and, you know, doing it in the in the, the crystal blue sea. Mm. It's really, really important to find out. Yeah, the fantasy you know, can be, be different really for each one. Yeah, two different fantasies. Of and course. when you're doing, when you're opening, that's fantasy. When you're opening up a relationship, you really have to both be into it and and be so clear about your boundaries and really respect the boundaries and communicate very openly. You can't have secrets. You can't withhold information and expect your partner to feel confident and secure. All right. I'm so s- if a person is saying, let's have threesomes and you get no say, and I'm not going to tell you all about it, that's that's probably heading into something more abusive than equitable. All right. Um, I'm at the start of a relationship and already afraid of when the sex gets boring. Is there anything I can do at the beginning to make sure this doesn't happen? Well, I think she's she's well, predicting something that's not even happened yet, but however. But, you know, it is a thing. It's very well documented that between six and six months and two years, the sparkle goes off our sex lives. And that is simply because in the first period of those of our of our new relationships, our hormones are in charge and our sex hormones are are charged. And so we don't need a lot of skills and we don't need a lot of communication to have really exciting sex. You you probably, I don't know if you can remember that far back now, not that I know anything about who you're with or how long you've been with anyone. I'm six years with my wife. Just even just even thinking about a new partner is enough to get someone aroused early early stages. So there's a, not a lot needed. So usually what happens is the sparkle starts to go. People don't know how to have the conversations. They don't, sometimes they don't know what they actually like or need and skills are needed and people will break up with each other because sex gets boring when actually what they need to do is learn how to say well, what they need. Well, then it's all need. about communication, isn't it? It is all about communication. It really is. It I mean, really that, is. I, mean I, I find in my own relationship that is the key, being able to talk to each other about those kind of things and how to make those it's things so better for both say of us. If you're, yeah. If you're a good communicator, it's so easy to say, but it's really, really hard to do. And people get so caught up in caring for each other. There's all, all loads of reasons why people don't communicate. But a, a, a popular one that I hear for people who really love each other is they don't want to hurt each other's feelings. But that creates a, 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 the, that then you only do what is safe and what you know is okay to do, mm. and we get bored, and it deadens the bed. Okay, okay. Let, let me just get to death. one or two more questions before we finish. I've got four minutes left. Um, my husband doesn't enjoy the idea of using sex toys. I love them because I think it enhances our sex life, both for me and him. I would like to do it, but he really doesn't like the idea and believes maybe that it minimizes his... How much is that? I don't know what. Okay, I get the general gist of what you said. In other words, maybe he believes that I don't know for some reason he's not doing the job properly if she needs a vibrator as well at the same time or no, needs a dildo or no whatever it is. Toy, no toy can replace a man, despite all the jokes and all the all the skits we see. No toy can cuddle you, can talk to you, can be intimate with you. It is a it is a piece of machinery. It is the sprinkling on top of the cake that is your love and your care for each other and your communication, your intimacy, and he shouldn't get to to rule make that rule without really understanding that mm. it is an enhancement it will mean that his hand doesn't get as tired his mouth doesn't get as tired whatever it is is you know it's a help rather than and, and nothing can replace him and maybe that's what needs to be talked about 
Okay, um, I had a girl call in. It says on my screen here, a girl wants to know if open relationships can actually make sex life better. If your sex life is good to begin with, if you have great communication, if you trust each other and you respect each other and you can do boundaries really well, then an open relationship can be fantastic. It's the quickest way to end your relationship if you are not in a great relationship to begin with. It is not a fix. Okay, and everyone wants to know, uh, what supplements can you get to help your sex drive? Uh, for, that's a tricky one. Well, mag- magnesium is really great for your sleep and for anxiety. So if you're not sleeping well, that really messes with libido. So mag-365, mag- mag the green one, is a really great one to take at night. Vitamin D, vitamin E, um, oily fish, um, asparagus, avocado, um, things that are high in vitamin D, they can all help. Which which are the, which um, are the aphrodisiacs? A... Which ones are the aphrodisiacs? Listen, nothing is going to make you horny if you... They're, 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 these are sprinkles. There's so much else that you need to make your sex life good. These will enhance an already good sex life. They're not going to change your life. But I am perimenopausal and I've gone blank. So if that person, again, wants to email me, I have a list of supplements that I can give them. It depends if you're male or female or what gender you identify as, as to what I'd recommend and what you want to enhance. Well, look, I could. I have loads more questions, but we're just not going to get time. I'm going to have to get you back on again, Emily. It's a good excuse to get you back on anyway. Um, you said that last time, Niall. I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath. No, well, well Jane, <laughs> I'll say to Jane, my producer now, Jane, we, uh, this needs to be a regular thing because we've had so many questions come here. Like, and see, this is what I said 20 years ago. I did this. But we now, mind you, we didn't yeah. have we didn't have WhatsApp where people can kind of remember. Yeah, and, it makes the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And if I actually start inviting people to come on the air to ask you the questions, I guarantee it's a different kettle of fish. They'd be mortified. Uh, well, I Irish. think your listeners are 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 really much. I think they're more open as well. You've created that that sort of openness in your conversation. So I think you're probably very well placed to do that. Okay, well, look, Emily, if people want more information on you, by the way, can they? Do you have a website they can go to? I'm sure you do. I do. Empowersme.com. Emp- empowers me you'll find me on you'll find me on instagram but i'm really bad at doing it and facebook i'm really bad at that as well but i have a website as well it's all empowers me that's where you find me empowersme.com yep all right okay and they can get as much information as they want they can also contact you to the website as well if there's a contact form there they can contact you and if you because want to. it's really hard to get reliable information i do my best to to answer queries it doesn't cost you anything to just ask me a question and I will get back to you best I can okay. because I think it's just, I just like, I just love what I do and I, I want to help people if well, I can. Well, I, I, I promise and I am going to make a promise and Jane is looking <laughs> at me. Jane, look, yes, Jane, nod your head if that's a yes. <laughs> Emily, we're going to have you back on the show very, very soon and I would encourage people to send in your questions by email or whatever it is and we'll have Emily back on again. Real people, real opinions. Real Talk Radio, the multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show.